Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This episode, we're wrapping up the clusterfuck that was 2020, looking back on the important shows that we watched while taking a look at some of the anticipated releases for 2021. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, on with the show. All right, guys, here today to do the screen-worthy year-end introspective are Mind Refinery Creatives, Boyanetic. Hello. Happy New Year. And John Neal. What's up? What up, playboys? Okay, so um, 2020 was a certified dumpster fire. And if you think the if you think an angry mob storming the uh, Capitol building in the U.S. is uh, bad as well, then 2021 isn't going much better. But we're hoping that at least in the entertainment realm, that isn't the case. Because if we are anything, it's frivolous. So I, I kind of want to have a discussion here, you know, about you know some of the most important shows this year. Uh, what was our thoughts as uh, media consumers, as content consumers? Um, let, let's dive right into it here. What was the big idea behind shows with the pandemic? Like when the pandemic happened, you know, you like what were you guys looking for in content? Was it escapism? Was it uh, you're trying to catch up? Like why don't you start us off, Boyan? I'd like to think of it as uh, the equivalent of curling up into a ball and covering up yourself with a blanket and just and rocking back and forth is is my sort was my ethos of uh, pandemic watching of media basically. So uh, you know, sure, I made room for new shows and some of them some of them entered that comfort safe zone. Uh, but uh, you know, it started a lot a lot uh, with uh, you know going back to you know, classic shows that I've seen a hundred times over, whether it was The Office or Scrubs or Firefly. It was just, it started off with that. And then as- Firefly, getting that nerd yeah, comfort food. I mean, it's I got so it. good. I almost started Battlestar Galactica, but that would have been, no, that would have not this wasn't, been good it wasn't for my Ebola. It wasn't Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then you know and then and then uh, as things i don't know as as you get used to everything being on fire around you um you know i, I started off with uh, the other comfort food for me which is you know going into sci-fi so anything anything sci-fi that came out or even close to related was was on my list i mean if it wasn't uh if it wasn't the mandalorian then it was star wars i mean i, I actually not star wars yes yeah, other star wars shows but star trek discovery i mean that was a thing that i saw and then it kept me sane somewhat and i know john's gonna like hate me for all time for saying that um but yeah there was it's just anything sci-fi worked for me i mean lovecraft was was another thing that was just blew me away uh uh i mean it had its issues but it was incredible and uh yeah and then when things petered down a bit i mean I, i started to explore other other shows that were great I watched a lot of food related content, especially oh, yeah. the first five months, I would say from like March up until July when we started getting into the summer months and we could um, sort of be comfortable eating outside at restaurants. I did that a lot as much as I could before the weather started to get a little cooler. But from basically from like April till, well, I don't know, maybe June, it was just pretty much food related content on Netflix somebody feed phil the chef show i was re-watching ugly delicious 
And then I was just catching up on stuff that I that I missed. I didn't really do a whole lot of rewatching old stuff, but you know, you gotta sprinkle in some Office and some Seinfeld here and there, right? Just to kind of, just because you know they're The Office and they're Seinfeld. But those shows you can just throw on. You just throw on and just have them in the background, just like a random episode. You don't need to be like ramping up to them. No, no, just the just just the odd little sprinkle there, you know. I, but, I think, uh, like, for me, I think it was, like, one, supplanting sports was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, I was, like, super, I mean, which we're going to get into the uh, the event of supplanting sports uh, until it came back, until the bubbles started this year, the last dance, which we'll get to. Um, I mean, like, for me, it was first, like, okay, so I was leaning on the like Clone Wars and catching up with Clone Wars, and, like, I watched the, rewatched also the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, which was awesome, dipped into Rebels finally, um, and really fucking had fun enjoying that. It was like total escapism. I was definitely, though, like hardcore about getting, using the opportunity to like to actually catch up on stuff like i rewatched the watchmen and stuff like that as well which was just like uh feels more prescient these days as well so i mean that was really good i mean like samantha and i my samantha my fiance uh was like we were like at dinner we'll throw on seinfeld we'll throw on you know uh she watched um she was watching parks and rec so i love the you know i'm like i'll fucking sit and watch all this shit Obviously, it's freaking fantastic. Um, and then I was also trying to, like, gauge when The Simpsons actually started turning shitty. Like, that was my whole thing. I was like, I'm going to watch and figure out when this actually gets bad. And I kind of realized it's, like, season 11. You should have done some science. You should have, like, charted it episode by episode. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, like, testing my blood. Reddit. Yeah, I'm just, like, b- testing my blood pressure. It's, like, season two blood pressure. It's, like, fucking, like, oh, 95 over 60. Season 12. 191 over fucking a thousand because it's terrible so yeah i mean it was it was good i was definitely looking for some comfort food and stuff like that as well with this um a lot of yeah a lot of food television as well because you know um like i we were in the process of doing the last episode of plated so you know i was kind of in that headspace let's let's talk about some of our our favorite or what we feel mo- is most important i mean we have a list of what we've kind of what we've done and done here um family the listener is we've each done what our top five you know most important shows was that we kind of put it together in a list there's a lot of overlap as uh we thought there would be so we put together a list we're gonna put out that list on social media it's gonna be coming out through this podcast you're gonna be hearing it but first let's start with honorable mentions didn't make our list but the things that were really we liked anyways and that were like great hangs uh i mean i mean the individual honorable mentions is what you're yeah like what series like what for you other than like outside of our list you thought was really good it's really good i mean the good place it it's 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 rare that a show can end on a good note and i'm sorry not not just end on a good note but like just do a really good job of concluding a whole series that doesn't leave people pissed off and it was was already you know it was very good very uh, well you know acclaimed series um going in and uh it was just yeah that was that was that was a big one i definitely you know did the classic thing where i just watched it beginning to end in in you know in like a two days or something or a that week. shows a good hang like it makes you feel good watching so many good performances i mean 
I can I, mean, I can watch Kristen, Kristen Bell. Stewart. Yeah, Kristen or, Bell is fantastic. Um, <laughs> also, Stewart. Ted Chris, Chris Ted Danson is fantastic. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, Ted yeah, Danson. Just... I'm just like, I'll take all Ted Danson all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, like, I was so, just gonna say, like, I'll jump in. I guess um, the Queen. I really liked season four. I actually skipped season three and watched season four when it came out, and then went back and watched season three after I saw season four. The thing I like about the Queen, and I'm not really much for like royal family drama, just generally speaking. I don't watch royal marriages. I don't really follow too much on a day-to-day basis. But the thing I like about the show is the acting is really, really good in that show. And that's because they have a number of notable people playing some of those key parts. Olivia Coleman plays the queen she's she's been doing it since season three she's talented as fuck and well she's an academy award-winning actress she's she's really good also charles dance is in it and uh helena bonham carter also plays uh princess margaret as well in season three and season four and i forget his name but he's the guy that plays um one of the tullys in in game of thrones the guy that they lock up is it edmund tully edmund tully's one Edmure, Ed, Ed Ed that's it, in Game of Thrones. He plays um, Prince Philip in season three and season four as well. So that show is oh, got... He can just he can give the proper level of buffoonishness to yeah. be Prince Philip, who is yeah. one of the all-time buffoons. It's but Tobias also, Menzies. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, And also just like the way that that show is shot, the cinematography is, is really, really good. And it's actually a really interesting historical show. They, they've... Most of the stuff that happens in it is real and pretty accurate to to what actually happened. So I also just love how in season four, the whole Prince Charles and Camilla thing sort of comes out. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that the royal family thought that they put that matter to bed only to have it relive for them in this acclaimed Netflix show that is now introducing all of the younger generations to their drama. So I'm sure yeah. they're really happy about that. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic for them. Um, yeah, I, the shows. I mean, I, I will say like one of the best. The first season of that show um, was one of the like it was mind blowing in terms of as a like a period piece. Um, yeah. I can never remember the name of the gentleman who played King George the Sixth. Um, it's he's yeah. it's Winona Ryder's boss in Mr. Oh, Deeds yeah. from uh, Longfellow from, Deeds yeah. and a bad boy of tennis, John McEnroe. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I don't remember his name. The whole the whole the whole season uh, was fantastic, and then like season four is really I haven't caught up to it yet, but like I mean the reviews on it, the talk about it, just in terms of it being a relevant show, um, another boon for Netflix, of course, who's had a fucking good, who had a really good year. Jared Harris, by the way, is that actor's name. Jared just, Harris. Just looked him up. Shout out Jared Harris. He's fucking, I mean, he's a fantastic actor. He was in Mad Men as well. Chernobyl um, as well, I believe. Cherno- yeah, that's correct. He was in Chern- Chernobyl. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, uh, one of them was Industry on HBO. It was super well done. Basically, it looks at this uh, woman named Harper Stern, and she's from New York. She's a, you know, a black woman from New York who goes into this pool of young people working in like the finance industry in and looking for permanent positions at this one prestigious firm in London, despite like 
she just lies about having ever gone to school for finance uh so it's like suits but actually really good they don't pay me anymore so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter um it really it really kind of looks at the world of finance and like what the social moors are at the top of the finance world and like the ruthlessness and the like they preach the lack like this lack of like moral like scruples you know what i mean and the, there's also the running gag on it whenever they talk about anything left-leaning politics they're mm-hmm. all like they make fun of it because they're all <laughs> in the finance world so they're like hyper capitalist it was so it was really fucking good and i thought it was an important show i would compare it to it was like i was like what it's like the it's like the setup for gray's anatomy almost except it's not like 16 seasons of the most like fucking contrived show i've ever seen in my life um <laughs> so like it's it was really good and really edgy and it was really well put together and it's like thoroughly modern so i thought that was really good um season two of the boys was awesome yeah, that was yeah. on my on my honorable mentions. That's my that's my go to show when I'm looking for blood and violence now to to satisfy that urge. Because season two, they I think they must have doubled the budget on that show. Because oh yeah, yeah, they did they they did they've uh, I've done I did a couple days on the first season and that show was big then and it appears to be bigger now. But it's like so well put together. It's so enjoyable. yeah, they really probably the- I think best show coming out of toronto or one of them oh well it's i think it's probably the best uh amazon original that they've produced so far i'm trying to think another show that's really caught my eye like that one the real selling point for me is is the villain with uh oh geez homelander is just oh one yeah, of the, yeah, yeah one of the best antagonists i've seen in in a long time and mm-hmm. it's it's like the dark side of superheroes so it's one of the more realistic things, uh, like as far as superheroes go. It's yeah, like, yeah no, totally. You know, how they would know. act. Yeah. Can I, like can I also just like, add about Homelander? What's so it's easy, really easy to just make him pure evil, and he is pure evil. But they there's a and and if there's a, this is spoilers for anyone. I mean, it's already too late. We're talking about the past year. Yeah, um, catch up. The, yeah, the the whole like storm. What's her name? Storm something. Oh, Stormfront. Um, Stormfront, yeah. like the Stormfront being just blatantly Nazi in front of him, and then him mm-hmm. just having this moment of like, that's the line for him somehow. Like there, there's yeah. a lot. There exists a line for him, and then like to give somebody that evil, uh, that sort of third dimensional aspect where they could so easily be just, just, just pure evil and psychopath. Which, again, he still manages to be, but has this, has this line that he won't cross, and almost reminds me of that old Joker. Uh, comic where you know Joker has the same thing where he won't work with Red Skull because he's a he's a patriot. I I thought that was that was a really interesting uh, uh, aspect to his character that he there are lines that he doesn't he doesn't want to cross. Yeah, despite wow. being a psycho. No, uh, it's perfect because he's like it's like he's Homelander. He's the patriotic American. Who do Americans hate the most? It's like the British and Nazis. Yeah. So like so, but then all of a sudden they just act blatantly like it. I like I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool. Like it was really cool. I like Homelander's interesting. The whole show is very entertaining, but also not lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. They like, managed they, to give most of the characters a lot of layers, and there's a lot of yeah. interesting backstory, specifically to the organization as well, and it's and its history. And I kind of like how they sort of tied it together to the Nazis as yeah. well be yeah which is, that was really sick. which is which is kind of cool you know i mean you can see even some of the parallels with with some american organizations after after world war ii as well that mm-hmm. that brought some of these 
uh, scientists over here to work on a number of government projects, obviously like Werner von Braun uh, with with NASA and like a bunch of other projects and stuff like that. But shout out Anthony Starr for Homelander, just because I think yeah. he's one of the oh, he's, he's one of the best villains right now in in all of TV. Yeah. Uh, good. The, I don't know if any of you guys saw this show. It's called The Good Lord Bird. Um, it was on no. Showtime, and it was with. It was created by um, Ethan Hawke, and he plays where he plays John Brown, um, who is the famous abolitionist who uh, staged the attack at Harbor's Ferry. Ends up losing, getting put down by Mr. Robert E. Lee himself, and uh, hung. Uh, but he was like one of the precursors, like one of the big inciting incidents leading up to the Civil War in terms of understanding that the kind of the only way you're going to deal with uh slavery is through like violent conflict and um so it was him it was ethan hawk and mark richards they put it together uh so hawk was freaking sick in it and g and it's actually produced by jason bloom as well so it's like part of the bloom house television initiative because like they've been pushing more like to make the brand into get like get into streaming because i mean especially where that's where the real money is right now and it was just so well done and so poignant given like what you know, obviously, like, what's going on in the world right now and just, like, the understanding of, like, inevitable conflict and, like, the the idea of righteousness. But it's, like, a caricature of John Brown. So he's, like, like very confused and addled and, like, always saying we have to attack things. And, like, it's 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 it was just, like, really, really good. I would recommend anybody who, you know, is especially into historical fiction and, like, historical fiction and, you know, period pieces this year were really good we're gonna this one i think is one of the best and you know we're gonna talk about two of the other uh best ones as we go along so i mean i would definitely recommend that one as well um you know like check it out did did any of you guys have any more like honorable mentions to throw in the only other one i can think of now that we're talking about showtime was actually the belushi documentary that came out this year fantastic yeah, I actually really liked how they Fantastic. incorporated uh, animation into yeah. that, and how the and how they just kind of made it all sort of fit without. And they did all these interviews without actually showing anybody on camera. It was mostly archival footage, photographs, um, and and the animation that they did for it. I know you're a big fan of John Belushi, Kyle, so I thought I'd just I'd just throw that out there because it was very very well done. The hero of every funny pudgy guy ever. <laughs> Let's move on to, you know, the big and important shows of the year. Let's get into what are, you know, our five most important shows of the year. Why were they important? Why did they strike a chord? Let's start with um, the upstart of the year. The the second most streamed show on Netflix behind Tiger King. Um, extrapolate your own opinion of society there. <laughs> but Queen's Gambit. Absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, what do we think, guys? Like, let's like, why why was this show able to strike a chord? I didn't think I would find a show about chess fascinating, like I did, but I did. Queen's Gambit is just, I mean, it, it's 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 a one off uh, series, like it's a limited series, and it's it's just fucking great. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. The cinematography is top shelf. There are like brilliant moments uh between all the characters in this show the 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 mentor that she has for the one of my favorite moments in the show is how she has this connection to the janitor of the orphanage and how he teaches her about chess and and i, I just it it deals with also 
a lot of interesting subjects like addiction and and also just like you know f- feeding kids drugs and, and how it becomes like a problem and but it also helps her become better at chess i don't know it was just a fascinating series that i i, I also read that it like the showrunner was trying to get it made for like 20 years or something yeah the book came out in 83 yeah like it's, it's like, fucking old it's old and and it it's just it's just really fucking good like it's just a top shelf show just a top shelf series just, i don't know how else to describe it it just hit all the right beats that it needed to hit i mean like any great show it's a number of elements kind of coming together i mean anna taylor joy was fucking mesmerizing like every moment she's on the screen She's hypnotic. The camera fucking loves her. Um, she committed herself fully to well. She got like a chess instructor to do it, which is funny because like I think one of the good things about this show is like you don't have to know anything about chess to like no. it, right? It's more like amusing on like things like addiction. Ambition mm-hmm. is a big one and obsession. So like she but she wanted to be authentic, um, just I guess from a character and emotive standpoint, and it worked really well. And um she wanted to understand it. I mean, like she's a star now. She's gonna be hugely yeah. in demand. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was already super talented. She was season five of uh, PE Blinders. She was fantastic. But she's only like twenty four. Like it was a ridiculous performance. Uh all the craft elements are ridiculous. Like wardrobe and production design, yeah. you know, and like, lighting. I mean the cinematography. The was... cinematography was absolutely fantastic. And, and I do want like, to say it wasn't only her that was sort of uh, the the authenticity of the chess was uh, i watched it with a with a couple of people and talked to a couple of people who are into chess and like the filmmakers also made sure that like you almost it's almost uh, you have a you have a, a little bit of an additional sort of bonus understanding to to what's happening if you understand chess which is again i don't so i, I didn't experience that but for the people that did it was a, an extra little uh you know topping on the cake yeah and i mean i like as again the cinematography is absolutely fantastic again wardrobe um i would liken it in terms of its skillfulness to something like mad men or like good night and good luck which was also absolutely fantastic just in the way it dealt with period piece but you know what john like remember we we talked about the 25th anniversary of casino mm-hmm. and kind of the way they shot the like the the floor of the like casino yeah. and like creating that larger scale las vegas mm-hmm. like image i thought they did something similar with that where they weren't trying to make it compressed it was like these large sweeping photos in wide you know in wide shot where it's like not afraid to show the entire like the production design it really showed yeah. it off yeah. and it, it was really good i like it's fucking just so well put together yeah what do you i mean and then also like like scott frank and um like alan scott like like scott frank did fucking wrote logan so like and like and you know scott um alan scott i think did shallow grave i think i know we did um the witches i mean this guy's fucking nominated for baftas as well they did a great job like what do you think its contribution to television television in 2020 will be boy and how will you remember this series i'm gonna remember it i mean it's to me and i think what caught on a little bit is that every every moment of it has a level of uh sort of like a mystery and and uh uh you know unexpected directions in the story unexpected directions in the character so it was between the writer director and and uh so it was anna taylor joy Mm -hmm. who really stole that performance it it was a character that 
I can't really find too many equivalents to, and it, it, was, it was a masterful sort of performance of it. And, and I mean, if you notice just from the shooting of it, it's all, it's also focused on her. Like, you know, as soon as I try and think about the show, it's, it's always, it's always very focused on her and everything is in sort of relation to her or everything is, is an extension of, of, of her. And, but the other, other characters managed to also be sort of interesting in their own ways. I don't know. I mean, I, I it's, it feels trite to say that, you know, uh, it, it was, what's you know what you take away from it is that it was is a, a really uh well-made female-led show but i mean there's plenty plenty of those and and more of those coming and it's that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that it's that it's possible and doable but you know hopefully it's it's a it touches on a bigger trend amongst the people that control the money and what gets made and who makes it uh that there shouldn't be any fear or or mistrust about if people are actually going to watch a show with a female lead. Uh, if it's, it goes it to, to like, good. if it's, if it's good, if it's well-written, if it's well-made and, and you find a good actor, it's going to be fine. And people are going to watch it. I mean, look at the numbers of it. Like you said, it's, it was the second most watched show of that year. And it's, I think it's one of their top most watched shows of all time. And mm-hmm. if that isn't enough proof, I don't know what is. Driving the uh, limited series narrative home further as well. Yeah, like you're gonna have. Yeah, you're gonna. I you're do have some good... qualms though with how Netflix some does there. I mean, it's one thing to order a limited series, but they've also started to apply that to shows that really were could go on and should go on, and then they cut them off. And it's a lot of a lot of the, a lot of those shows that got cut off were you know were up and coming uh, uh, filmmakers who hadn't had something quite as big or hadn't been the lead of something um, that should have gotten you know a further show especially when everybody wanted to watch it or it would have evolved into something bigger this is really coming down to contract negotiation is like what this kind of thing is because like if you're doing three years of a show or like four years of a show this is another reason why they like a lot of con like they have to for a series that keeps going they eventually have to renegotiate an opening contract and if it goes that long it's successful so then they have to like the, you know they have, it, it's going to end up greatly uh, increasing the production costs it's like it's unfortunate which you're because you're right there's some situations where you're like let's keep this going i don't think this is one of them but i think that is definitely the counter to but i also think that i mean this is where the industry is going um the like more limited series uh because it's like it's it's the perfect for it's really the perfect situation because you get more time like the longer someone is in the netflix ecosystem the longer they're looking at other shows and realizing how much value the the app has right so a feature gets you a two-hour hit for an exorbitant amount of money i mean like in some cases and then or in some cases the movie is fucking four hours long like martin scorsese's and you get that hit and then but like a multiple season series like all of a sudden you start getting into like costs as people start negotiating for fucking more cash so like the limited series is like the sweet spot it's like limited commitment but at the same time you know i i'm, I'm completely down with the limited series i just always want to make sure like what you're saying that it's not necessarily coming at, at the expense of longer series but at the same time i mean like this is what the bbc 
did for yeah. years and it's and it's smart just having being flexible I mean, about it one it or two seasons yeah. flexibility is is the important part because i mean yeah. there's so many bbc and so many british shows where like oh my god this is so good this needs to go along and i guess it, i come from like you know the north america where shows will go on for eight to twelve seasons and and i you come to expect that so when you watch some british tv you're like why is this two seasons long it is so good um so I get that and I get I get the appeal of it. I think there's a sort of um you know leave them wanting aspect. There's a sort of well that's uh, the thing uh, too like art house have... aspect where like oh this is a limited, you know, it's like this thing and it's going to stand on its own and it's you know we're not going to drive it into the ground by going, you know, yeah. six seasons. I think you too hit long. it with the North American thing though because yeah. like okay, under any circumstances you would want to leave them like if you gave them two seasons of something and then they were like this is the fucking best ever we want more and you never gave it to them technically you wrote almost a perfect situation yeah, yeah. right so like i mean what's your thoughts on that john do you get frustrated by that or like, how uh, are you a, with limited series it, it oh i love limited series i i'm still a big film guy even if it's uh in the theater or if it's on netflix but something like the queen's gambit is some like this is when i think of a of like a perfect amazing limited series this is like the kind of show that i think about it's it it's probably one of the best things that netflix has ever produced because it's one of the most binge watchable things i've ever seen on their platform yeah i lit up like, four episodes the first time oh i we me and lindy sat and watched the whole fucking thing like mm -hmm. as soon as it started it was over seven hours later it ended and we were like did we just watch that entire thing and it was like yeah we did because you know it, it's fucking great when i think of binge watchable shows this is one of the first things that comes to mind when i think about the binge you know this is what netflix is built for it's built for this exact reason for you to sit there and just go on these these watching sprees and a limited series is perfect because you know once the six seven hours is over on a sunday when you have nothing else to do that's the series it's over let's move on to the next one right like that's kind of yeah. what they want so yeah i mean that's my biggest takeaway i think from this is that it's one of the most binge watchable shows i've ever seen it's also one of the most amazing shows that netflix has ever produced i could not have uh, been happier with with the story and and with everything just with everyone involved with it yeah, and you bring up a point, and I, I, there was something that happened this year in terms of what you're talking about binge watching. Um, you know, when was it uh, Mandalorian or no, it was the boys. So when the boys did uh, episodic release instead of instead of right. uh, all all at once, there was yeah. a big outcry about it. People got pissed. I'm, I like binge watching shows, but I'm starting to like. Uh, the episodic release a little bit more uh there's yeah. a little bit more time to um yeah you get you leave a little bit frustrated and you want more and you know and that's a very sort of you know greedy gluttonous way of watching things but you have more time to sort of digest it you have more time to talk about it with friends and and that part of the switch from episodic to binge is is sort of the cultural change of 
you know, with the speed of the internet and everything is like you're instantly talking about it with your friends and with with other people and with mm-hmm. strangers online about what you just saw. And and if you if you didn't watch all the show, then somebody might spoil it for you. And that's that's kind of part of the drive, uh, part part of the change culturally when it comes from binge watching. But I do like I do I do, do like uh, a little bit of the episodic. I do like having some time in between the episodes. You know. You know, it worked out. I mean, I'm, I, we know Disney does it because they don't have any other content right. so yeah. far, and they want you yeah. to keep paying uh, until they have other content. So they did it with Mandalorian. That was not a creative choice; that was a financial choice. But I think, I think actually, I want streaming services to have a mix of shows that are binge and a mix of shows that are episodic, because then you always have something to watch, and it's okay to have different pacing and, and i think we've talked about before in earlier episodes of podcast is that shows that are written to be binge are written in a certain way and you know that could be good or bad in the sense where they're written expecting that you're going to watch the next you know they don't have to leave you on a, on a cliffhanger or something like yeah that. well yeah, so I'll, i also like feel diversity. that i want diversity and i want in in those formats and i think i hope to see more of that I also yeah. like looking forward to something yeah. that's coming out that I haven't seen yet. Event and, television and is awesome. So I, there's, there's something yeah. good about it, yeah. But but I agree, boy, and I think there needs to be that balance because I don't want to sit and binge like an entire season one of let's say like a twelve episode show that's like hour long episodes, just because I do like to take a break. But it depends on the series, right? Queen's it Game, really depends yeah. on the series, like Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like as much as I hated waiting for them. There was something awesome about like we would all hang out and watch Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and wait for it. Like that's the kind of shit. And I was doing that for Mandalorian. I was like staying up till like three yeah. in the morning just to watch it. Even <laughs> like, with the boys, right? With the boys, yeah. it was the same thing. I couldn't wait to see the 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 finale episode. Yeah. Like, the only sad part is we couldn't like get around, like get together no, and watch it together. <laughs> <laughs> which is by the way amazon um I, I i hate praising amazon for anything but they their uh their service just added a watch together option so like a watch party where you can oh also there's also a chat function and but you can basically anybody who has amazon prime that's your that's you can add to a list and you can watch a thing together at the same time and i i smart that's really smart and oh god that should have existed earlier i mean there was a, a there's a website called watch together where you can you used to be able to, and there was another option that that kind of forced Netflix to do the same thing, but like Netflix shut that down and Watch Together only works with, with YouTube. But uh, I, I want to see more of those options. I mean, even even if the pandemic pandemic were to end today and COVID were to just disappear, it would still be a cool thing because not everybody yeah. has the time to always go to a friend's place. Um, you know, and sometimes it's nice to watch something like that. Okay, guys, yeah. I gotta, I gotta jump in. We are going long on this. I want, we gotta move on. Um, it's such a good show. We could talk about it forever. Um, and also, uh, these are the, these are the, given what's going on in the world, these are the important conversations. Do you like to binge watch or do you like event television? <laughs> um, the Mandalorian. I mean, if we're talking about comfort food then i would say for us the restoration of the star wars ip is the ultimate comfort food Mm. um because when star wars is good it's magical even when you're an adult and when it's bad they it's like the toronto maple leafs of franchises um sometimes because it's just um depression um it's abusive it's abuse it's it's a it's an abusive relationship (laughs) not to trivialize abusive relationships however it's abusive um so let's talk about 
how important was the restoration of that IP just from a higher cultural level? Oh, I mean, it's like it's like a tectonic shift in Star Wars when they when they course corrected it this this season. And I have been a I have been bashing the sequel trilogy. I have been against everything that they've done up until this season. This was the turning point, at least for me. And we talked about this on our on our other podcast, but I couldn't believe how much I fell in love with this series and how much I cared about everything that that they were doing uh, after it, it, like up until the finale, obviously. But like, yeah, shout out to to Favreau, to Filoni, to Rodriguez, to everybody involved, to all the directors that that brought Star Wars back from the abyss, even if it was for just this season, even if it sucks going forward. I'll at least have the the eight episodes this season that I can just go back to and just and just hug and just remember how how wonderful it was near the tail end of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I I think I mean I double everything you said there and uh um but and I want to say in a more general sort of Star Wars universe and and Star Wars entertainment as a business sense what i what i think mandalorian did for disney whether they i mean they probably know but you know they have too many people they pay a lot of people they so they're probably aware of this but i think star wars was was uh at a at a sort of middle point where you know they were reaching a saturation point uh things were not going i mean they were making money but things were going sort of downhill a little bit and they were they were planning so much more and more content and it, it easily could have been uh, another disappointment on top of other disappointments that would have led to the decline of of that uh that as a universe right it would have just been smaller and smaller and less and less but with the success of the show and just the success of recapturing what star wars is and and having uh, a sort of uh, a creative uh, uh uh like soul again to it in 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 filoni and and favreau and, and and the directors that are involved the directors that are involved that are also going to be making other shows it's allowed them to be like when they release that lineup of future shows you know all of us who are cautious and anxious about any anything else star wars coming out and possibly being shit we were like oh this could be good because Mandalorian was good. Like that was, it just changed your outlook of the future for Star Wars because, hey, you know, if they could do this, maybe they'll, they've, they've learned something from it and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Boba will be good. Maybe, uh, uh, was it Rogue Squadron? Got it. You have to remind me. Maybe that could be good. Um, you know, even the ones you think are bad at the back of your mind, you're like, maybe, maybe it would surprise me. Maybe that droid, we've seen maybe it that droid show could actually we, yeah. be hilarious. Like, and we've seen something know. good. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it's there and the people are there. I like, for me, it's just kind of, it's, it's a great way to end the year in terms of like having something that means, to, you know, a lot to a lot of people being good and just its effect on the industry. I am only worried about, I mean, we went through, you know, on, on, on the, on the Mandalorian season two podcast, like what we thought was going to be interesting uh, coming up out of the, the big, you know, announcement of releases. 
But, I mean, I'm just hoping it doesn't enter that saturation point. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the series, like, they legitimately look good. And it kind of makes the overall... I mean, at the end of the day, if we're making Star Wars content and it's good and you're employing people at the same time, like, this, like it's a win. That's why you want it to be good. Like, it's there's a lot of good things when they're, like, on it. You know what I mean? When they're working at a, in a good click. Yeah. Like, I think when it comes to Star Wars at least in as far as like the broader picture and, and what the fan base and like sort of where we're at with star Wars at this point, it, we've, we've always been sort of chasing the feeling that we had when we first saw the original trilogy, the way yeah. that it made us feel when we were kids. Um, and honestly, up until this season, we really didn't have that feeling like it, like it, it just wasn't there for decades even with the prequels, even with the sequels, they just managed to respect the source material of the originals and of everything that was sort of established in the George Lucas era of Star Wars. And they managed to build on it while still respecting it and incorporating all of these characters into this series seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And like when I say seamlessly, I'm, I mean, holy fuck it's it's actually happening like this is actually yeah. amazing and it doesn't and, feel like a cheap like tacked on oh we're just gonna throw this guy in for this reference or whatever it, it, it feels substantial every time the, one of these characters came back yes and and it and it felt earned as well like even like the boba fett thing i know we talked about how on the other podcast how i had a couple friends that were like asking me like wasn't he dead and all this stuff and i'm like yeah but you know the way and who knows in the boba fett series they may actually go into that a bit more and i actually kind of hope they do touch on how he escaped the sarlacc i know Mm -hmm. we talked about how he did in legends but i kind of hope that they expand on that more and i think there's room to go into those details um but the 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 ahsoka tano episode in particular was the one that really uh was the thing that make it that just made it sore for me yeah. uh, when I saw that episode it became very clear what the plan was moving forward and um I'm like okay Favreau is going to do what he did with Marvel he's going to pull an Iron Man he's going to try and bring all of this together and do it respectfully and I see all kinds of opportunities and cool situations uh, that are popping up here that we're able to explore and also Ahsoka Tano is an incredible character so the fact that they brought her into this um, and then Boba Fett the following episode uh, Billy Billy Burr got a, got an amazing character arc in, in, in episode 7 that probably stole the season just from under everybody and then in season eight, we got to see fucking Luke Skywalker yeah. in his prime. Yeah. Um, like, and something you guys didn't bring up in that show that I, I really wanted to, to just very shortly add is it I, that scene when he comes in is is almost a reflection of of Darth Vader uh, uh-huh. cutting through that remote uh, that hallway in in um, Rogue in, in Rogue One, and I I love that it was, it was so good. It was great. Well, Rogue One is probably the only Disney movie that I actually enjoyed yeah. that they that they produced. And I know it's not like we knew everything that was going to happen, but I still enjoyed it just yeah. because yeah. it felt like old Star Wars well, to me. Yeah. See, you touch on basically I, I will say Force Awakens when I saw it, not after, but when I saw it, 
that is the movie that made me uh feel like a kid watching star wars for the first time again like that that like level of excitement and everything it, that felt amazing uh after a fact i saw how empty it was uh mandalorian and then like mandalorian made it so how do i say it? mandalorian did the same thing but it had substance it had substance that that lasted and continued through throughout the show whereas the force awakens was sort of on the surface level like oh my god this feels amazing and then after like oh it's shit <laughs> there's so much garbage in this and it's, it's so, a copy of 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 you know a new hope so guys uh i want to move on uh to these the i want to do these next ones together because i think they both despite not despite they are um f fucking fantastic and also like the what they represent politically in the industry very important too um i may destroy you uh michaela cole and uh lovecraft uh which was the sh which was put together by misha green so like these shows i mean i mean i believe this was probably one of the most important years for female showrunners and like female creators just in terms of like the streaming ecosystem like when you consider these shows i mean from a higher level i mean michaela cole dismissed you know a one million dollar netflix offer because they refused to give her any portion of the copyright she did a series uh which i believe is chewing gum if i remember correctly um it, which was great it was a lot more comedic but she's i mean she's so talented she moves really well in that space um you know they refused to give her any part of the car copyright and she was trying to get five percent and then she was like okay what about half a percent you know like a spot at the high level production table and they that wasn't something they would give her and then she you know which is ludicrously sexist because like she's the creator and the writer mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and the head actor yeah. i mean on a show like that usually i mean either actor even if they aren't the creator will get a like a production credit um so i mean like hbo and uh i mean well it's the bbc they they jumped on it and they were like we'll give you whatever you want like we see the quality here and we see you know how we see you and how good you are and that hbo jumps on as the u.s distributor and as a co-production and it was just a big thing right mm-hmm and it's just fucking beautifully put together. Yeah, it's really good. I haven't finished uh, the show yet because I'm still doing a little bit of catch up. But from everything I've seen so far, um, it, it's a very, it's a very hard hitting show. It's a very real show. You know what I mean? Just, just, just by saying that, it just like it's like it feels so real and raw, um, and and dark and 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 funny and sad all at the same time. Um, I've been I've been very impressed so far, and it baffles me that that we're still having these kinds of you know discussion about about these talented women in our business and how they're not getting the opportunities at certain places that they should be. Because I mean, like I said, the the only thing that matters is that it's fucking good at the end of the yeah. day, and well, she yeah. and she's killing it with this show. It's fucking really good. Boy, and I want to talk to you because I well I and for those of you I mean who follow the show or um or who want to learn more about i may destroy you if you haven't seen it or even if you had uh coburn uh blair from uh the rhythm section fame and the very talented sajay elder uh writer for a number of friggin magazines um including fader um you know we did a whole breakdown of it and it was just talking about like intersectionality and how like it's used 
as like not just something they talk about it's not even talked about it's like they they use it as in ironic ways to to express how the characters don't understand necessarily what each other are going through and then kind of looking at that so i thought that was really really great how it was put together um boy and i know you you were on the lovecraft country pod i mean like this series especially with what misha green was able to do with it i mean very important because just and also it's a it's it's horror uh, i mean i mean we loved it obviously i mean <laughs> i loved it for it's just bold creativity and storytelling like it's you don't there's nothing else quite like it it takes risks it takes chances uh you know it manages to be so many things and you know it gets a little its downside is it, is it can get a little down uh lost in in how much it's it's trying to accomplish right a little bit out of focus in, in its storytelling because it's trying to do so many things and it's, you get a little whiplash back and forth. And I think we commented about it when we talked about it in the podcast before. Um, but I still, despite all that, I, I appreciate that it, it, it continuously tries to do new things and tries to tell stories in a different way and, and, and just and, and do completely unexpected things. Um, and it does so with a great cast, uh, with a really uh, incredible themes and settings, and you know it shows shows history through 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 this lens that uh, it, you know it's it's refreshing to see. You know it's refreshing to see it, and and it, it manages you know it's sci-fi and fantasy while being honest about what that aspect of 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 the American uh, of American history was like uh in, in a way that doesn't feel like it's a a whitewashed retelling you know it's it's not you know there's so many there's so many shows so many movies that uh that have taken on those periods that you know still find a way to be like oh how do we have a white guy in here that's like that's also like the hero or how do we humanize this racist or something like that you know so it in terms of that in terms of the history it tells it's so honest and so raw uh but it, it and then it, all the other elements uh uh just make it incredible to watch and I, i'm looking forward to it i really hope you know i really hope it continues along that path but i also continue i hope it can it finds uh a little bit more focus uh in in what it wants to tell and not try and go all over the place i think that's first time showrunner i i i but i yeah. think that is i mean because john was also i mean we were talking about it before she probably has a lot of stories she wants to tell right yeah and, and it's and also it's kind like, of an this is a chance universe. to tell them and it's like uh i want to tell all of them <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah i think with some confidence and security like more i mean she i'm sure she's confident and they can't run a show like that without having the confidence to run it but i think no. with more yeah. experience and time on this uh 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 we'll, we're going to see incredible things from uh from her because I know, John, you've been enjoying it as well. Uh, I have loved every second of it so far. And, you know, I'm also a big fantasy horror guy as well. So, I mean, I guess I'll see where it goes. I haven't, I've got up until episode four as of right now, and, and I'm really digging it. So, but I, I seem to, even after the three episodes, I, I'm specifically around episode three is when I started to have that, that same feeling, boy, and about it sort of being a little all over the place like like you were saying just as far as its focus 
but it, it's it's really interesting, and, and well, I'm really looking forward to finishing it. Also, Journey Smollett, I like for me, it's Anna Taylor Joy, Michaela Cole, Journey Smollett, and probably Jonathan Majors who's in it. He's also in um, Defy Bloods. <clears throat> I, I think like they're good are the ones who are going to come out this year of this year just like i mean jonathan majors it's already kind of happened but journey smollett anna taylor joy and michaela cole are 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 like they're the ones who were really propelled this year and you know what i mean and i feel like in the two years previous it was like the phoebe waller bridge as well was another one who just like got you know rocketed into the into the spotlight just because of like opportunity deaf you know really deftly chosen opportunities um it's just to put out good work at like good networks and networks being open to it right um which is funny because it's like there's queen's gambit with netflix but then at the other at the on the other hand they also like kind of mess up the relationship with michaela cole so Mm -hmm. um it's 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 interesting how that ecosystem kind of all comes together i want to move on to you know the last one here uh, number five the last dance now dance the la- like John and I are like f- rabid sports fans. Uh, the last thing, I'm a huge fucking basketball fan, and we were I mean like sports just got cut down. And listen, stopping the sports, absolutely agree with it. I mean, obviously we were saying at the time like of course they shouldn't be playing basketball. There's a global fucking pandemic. Okay. With that said, if we said when all that stuff when hockey and basketball came back that we weren't a fan of that, that would also be a lie. Yeah. So what we used to kind of pacify ourselves was the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, the um, one of the big sports events of the, you know, especially the first part of the year. Uh, yeah. Boy, did you get a chance to take a look at this? Like, I, I'm curious. As a- this is one of those things where I actually, I, my, my dad's a big sports guy and, and, and a basketball fan. So I tried to be like, Hey, let's watch this together. Cause at least, uh, at least when I was, when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the Bulls, huge fan of Michael Jordan. Uh, I mean, who, which kid wasn't? So I tried to like, I tried to find time to watch it with him, and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't find time yet, despite the pandemic. Uh, so I didn't get to see it, but uh, it's definitely, I, it's I, definitely on the list, and 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 it's. it's I can't just, even believe yeah. it was on the list. Boyan <laughs> for uh, Boyan. Boyan is not the sports guy. No, he just kind of no. looks at us, melt down. Yeah, your dad I mean, that, should get on the thing, basketball. The, the aspect that gets that that why it's on the list for me is is just a uh, no, uh, childhood nostalgia. Like I like I said, Michael Jordan, uh, Scottie Pippen, uh, uh, Rodman. Like of the sports names I know, like I I cannot forget those names. Like they, uh, I remember watching as a kid when they played um, um, the Yugoslavian team when the, uh, it was like with the international uh, games. Uh, you know, I. Space Jam, like it's it's something I grew up with before I figured out I'm not really a fan of sports, uh, and yeah. I definitely want to watch it. And I, I I hope you can touch on I don't know how much you know about sort of the controversy. I think it was Pippin uh, refused to be on it, right? Uh, there was something about basically he he refused to be on it because it, he said it was going to be a, a you know a puff piece for Michael Jordan. No, that no. was Carl. That was Carl Malone. That was Carl Malone. Okay. No, Yo, yeah. fucking Scottie Pippen was he- heavy in this. Yeah. I, I, I was, I, I knew it'd be interesting. We brought up. So I'm like, has Boyan seen this? This guy doesn't. This guy doesn't like sports. <laughs> By the way, you should like basketball because uh, Serbians are yeah. fucking good at <sighs> I it. Just, okay. Yeah, no. yeah. Jokic was j- just fucking is <laughs> lighting know. shit up. <laughs> it's no, fucking great. good. 
This guy's got this guy's got more dish than fucking uh, Denny's. For um, a country of t less than ten million people, we seem to produce a lot of really great basketball players. So yeah, because you get these guys who are nine feet tall and can pass. Like it's just fucking ridiculous. And then you have Luka Doncic. Who's fucking fantastic? Like they were just lighting it up. Um, okay, so like for me, like the last dance, like was like the salve. You know what I mean? Like it was the, it really kind of got us through, especially the dark periods at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, like John, like what did this documentary coming out mean for you in the you know in the absence of you know sports really for the first time in a while? Well, they say timing is everything when it comes to art, and the timing of this release could not have been better, just because we were all inside with nothing to do but to fucking watch it, and then talk, and then just talk about it. So, um, I mean, well, we talked about it. We were all binging it, messaging each other about it when it came out. We we did a podcast about it. And I the mean, memes. the memes and, and the memes, obviously. And of course, the, the best part of anything basketball related specifically is there's so much discussion after something happens, whether it's uh, this documentary and there was a ton of talk about about um, the Carl Malone, th about the Carl Malone thing. There was a lot of talk about how Scottie Pippen uh, felt like it made him look a little sour um, you know, yeah. there, were, there was Ken Burns coming out talking shit about it not being a legitimate documentary because it was produced by Michael Jordan. Like, so there was a ton of shit to talk about even after it came out. Just I turned on Ken Burns real fast. Yeah, I love yeah. Ken Burns. I love yeah. Ken. Bur I'm like, I'm like, guys, have you seen all nine hours of jazz? Yeah, I've, I'm like, I've yeah. seen it 100. I'm like, I've seen it 100 times. Then immediately he's like, this isn't a real documentary. I'm like, fuck you, Ken Burns. No one gives a shit about you or baseball. Meanwhile, it's incredible. But like, um, but anyway, yeah. so so the thing about about this for me was. Obviously, everyone's familiar with the Bulls. Everyone's familiar with Michael Jordan and and the main uh, characters in in that whole thing: uh, Pippen, Rodman, Phil Jackson, um, even the even the side characters like Steve Kerr and and a smattering of others. But the big thing that this documentary, at least for me, that that made it so cool was just the access that just like we talked about in the podcast we did about this was just how they literally had a camera crew following them around for an entire season in the locker room during practice uh, on the court going through literally you know their last dance you know in quotations and just for that access alone uh it's it's incredible like like i love a good sports documentary obviously but like this was this was on like a whole other level. This was like an this is what eight parts? It's an eight part series? Yeah, I think so. It's fucking remember. it's just it's just insane how much access they had to everybody. You know, Jordan and his security guards playing fucking you know, gambling all the time and, and fucking playing what was it, quarters they were playing yeah, fucking yeah. in between like intermissions and shit. And he's losing at quarters. And he's, I love and it. he's so pissed. It's and fucking shit. Michael like, Jordan. It's just um, did he fire just, some security yeah. guards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucking loved those guys. Like they <laughs> oh, yeah. they they like those guys like he was like like helping them out financially and stuff like that. Like just like like you know, because you, you start to get develop relationships. I think what it really did to overall is up the level. I'm like in terms of my favorite sports documentaries, 
I mean, I love the thirty for series. Thirty series. Yeah. Um, OJ Made in America, the doc, the six part documentary, mm-hmm. um, done through ESPN, is probably I think one of the best. Um, one of my favorite. This is up there with one of my favorite. It's not the hard hitting journalistic style, yeah. or that that one is, but um, this one. Like, my whole reaction to Ken Burns is, and Ken Burns is one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, Like, I love Ken Burns. But it's like, everyone knows, none of this stuff is new, okay? What this is, is just telling the story and laying it out. And the interviews were fucking fantastic. Yes. Like, like it was a really enjoyable experience. And I don't think every single thing you do, like, it's 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 a spotlight on Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan doesn't look good throughout a lo- long stretches of this yeah it, it like, kind of it really does lay him quite bare in this yeah to be honest with you but it up like for this really up the level of sports documentary and i think if you're gonna look at sports documentaries as a whole um this really kind of uh d- took it uh, like took it to a different like almost like pop art situation because it's like so like you're just loving you know it's like popcorn you're just like it's a it, it's a popcorn doc yeah. and you know i just really fucking enjoyed it it was also just really well put together like as far as yeah. just just the editing the 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 use of footage and the interviews everything was just really 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 well done and and you really kind of got to see the inner workings of the team in this documentary like you really got to grow like if like if you didn't know anything about basketball and you just put this on you would this would take you from point A to point Z as far as where they go. And there would be a very clear arc for everybody to take in the span of the documentary. And yeah, like, I mean, there's just, it was just really well done. And there was, there was just a lot there for everybody, sports fans alike and for non-sports fans. So I, what I kind of want to do here is I mean, we've kind of gone through what we feel the most important shows of this year are and just kind of what their impact to the you know to the industry and to you know the the art form the 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 culture of of series and all that kind of you know all that good stuff what are we looking forward to in 2021 like what is what coming up this year now as as we are you know just a a week in what like what are we looking forward to um so most of the shows i'm looking forward to are the ones that are i mean that already are are just going to be doing another season uh you know like the witcher mandalorian all that stuff uh but the one sort of original show that that's really piqued piqued my interest is wandavision um i think we've covered it before uh i I was a big fan of uh legion i've i've been uh, uh, preaching the word of Legion to anyone who who's within who was within distance of me when people could be within distance, um, and I, th- I really think it's a incredible show. And I, I love shows that mess with your head and 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 just you don't you know are completely off the wall like that. And I think uh, WandaVision, at least in, in in terms of its its flavor, in terms of what's been shown about it. It definitely touches on those same sort of that same sort of feeling uh, of, of sort of mind fucking uh, the audience. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm curious what that's going to be like, and and you know that could also be, you know, hopefully I think Disney's probably hoping it could be something like a Mandalorian, where you know it, it it's so good that it makes you feel possibly hopeful about maybe all maybe all these other superhero shows that are coming out won't be shit um because that's another that's another aspect that's reaching a saturation point and the boys uh the boys is also uh uh uh, an answer to that saturation point where you're so sick and tired of superheroes that you want you want to 
you start poking holes into into those worlds and the boys is an answer to that but yeah wandavision i would say is is what i'm looking forward to sort of immediately in in, in 2021 uh and hoping that it does something for uh, uh you know that superhero marvel side uh that's interesting and and creative when you also expressed interest in mortal Kombat. <laughs> no i was reading a list and that i mean look uh the old movies are like a guilty pleasure watch like they're horrible and the second one is unwatchable <laughs> the first one i'll they're, the but, first no, one i'll watch they're both unwatchable but like it, it's one of those things where it has several drinks down i can i can watch it and and laugh at it um, but, uh, God, I don't know what that series is going to be like. And it can't be good because none of those characters have ever had any depth. Um, so I, I don't know how it, it can be good at all. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's so far 2021 for me. I mean, other than whatever's going to repeat from, from all these other shows that we mentioned, um, and, and some of the others that I watched sort of continuously, uh, and I'm watching already the first show that I was, uh, I was uh, last night. I did a binge of the six episodes of the Expanse that were available, and they're very long episodes. So I was up really late, uh, <laughs> and it's. I mean, the show just gets better every year, uh, and the performances in it are, are uh, incredible. And uh, it's. I think it's some of the best sci-fi out right now. So. I highly recommend that if you and and I'm jealous of anybody that starts that show from 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 the first episode. Well, I think for me it's it's got to be um obviously the number one thing I'm looking forward to isn't a show, but the number one thing I'm looking forward to is Dune in 2021, assuming that we can go to a theater and see it the way it's supposed to be seen. But show like show-wise, yes. Finally, I can't wait for Star Wars to come out. I'm I'm super pumped to see what they do with Boba. I'm super pumped to see what they do with Ahsoka. And I really, really would like to uh, see what they're going to do with Mando. But uh, Season 3 of The Boys as well. And also Season 2 of um, The Righteous Gemstones, if they ever release it on HBO. Because I think Season 1 was released in late 2019. So it's been almost a year and a half since the release of season one. So they're due for a second season, probably this year. I'm going to talk about mine and then I'm going to ask you a question and we're going to get into a little bit about this Warner situation moving forward Mm -hmm. to wrap it up. So for me, succession season two is uh, season three. Is this season two or season three? Season three is um season three is is the big one that's the one i'm waiting for i love that show i think it's um the best show on tv right now it's definitely my favorite show on tv right now so i'm totally looking forward to it the cast is fantastic every fucking um fantastic um book of boba fett fan like i'm really looking forward to that season two righteous gemstones as well generally anything with um john goodman is fantastic yeah barry jenkins who is just like um if you were you found out there was an alien race and they were invading us and they could only be destroyed by talent you would uh (laughs) and you just uh ignited him in front of them they would all be vaporized he is uh he is fucking super talented and he's doing a series uh the underground railroad and i just think that um his uh, just his work in historical like he's just so talented and um like him adding his hand uh to you know series again going limited series i'm really excited to see what that's going to be it's going to be epic i think it's going to be 
you know, a T I think it's going to be like a viewing event. So I want to just to finish up guys. I want to talk about just like, cause John talked about Dune and it's, I, it's a really big thing that's going to affect the industry. And I think like they can try to be like, Oh no, we're only going to do this once. I mean like, okay, if it works, you're going to do it again. You know what I mean? Like, like, so what do we think about Warner brothers and just this releasing the, cause we haven't talked about it on the show yet. And the releasing of the, um, you know, of their 2021 slate streaming. I mean, I, I understand it as far as, as far as why they're doing it. Um, but my only worry is that this is the, this is the, this is the, the, the way that it goes from now on and, and theaters will be slowly. This is the tipping point where theaters slowly start to fade away. That's that's my only gripe about it. And and I'm hoping that at least there's still a substantial portion of the audience that 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 views the theater experience as special and as a and as a unique and and an awesome way to see a film. Um but I mean I I can't I, like I can't sit here and and say that it's not uh a good idea to to release this stuff on a streaming service because i mean even just for families uh covid aside the amount they want for tickets these days is is fucking nuts yeah and and for a family of four to go see a movie at cineplex is like i mean it's just it's it's a bit much that's my only concern is just that the theaters uh are gonna start to fade away yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you there. It's it's uh, you know uh, these these big companies are not not the type to invest a lot of money into doing something like this, and then uh, a year later not not continue to do it. You know that's not a that that's an expensive proposition to just do this thing for like one or two years and then and then go back to the old system. Usually, when they evolve in some way or change how they how they operate they tend to stick with it as long as it's working for them. Um, and man, if that's the case, it's good. That's, that's going to suck. Like I enjoyed watching quite a lot of stuff at home. Um, but and there's just no replacement with, with some movies, not, not all of them, but with some movies, yeah. there's just no replacement for the big, like the Dune is going to be, really shitty for me if i can't see it on the big screen you have to uh, see it on a big like the, you have like, to you have yeah. to it, there's there, something there about no... making these epics that has to i don't know if it's the, some like you know lawrence of arabia maybe created this effect where you know if you're gonna have an epic story you gotta have you know that panavision that that like massive those massive vista shots and all that stuff yeah, if you're gonna do a movie like that, it feels it really has to be on a very big screen, and no TV can ever and and big sound, and no no TV can ever replicate that. And and there's so many aspects aspects of it that can't be replicated. And it, like, yes, like sorry, Boyan, but like the big difference for me, at least as far as watching something at home and watching something in the theater, is it transports you to another place when you're watching it in a yeah. theater. Like when you sit down to watch Dune in a theater, you're going to be on Arrakis when you're fucking watching that in the theater. Like that's the whole appeal of films in the theater to me is it transports you to another place in a different environment, just sitting there watching it on this massive screen with this big sound system. It's just a whole other thing. Now watching it at home is perfectly fine. It's, it's, 
And I think the series stuff lends itself more to that because it becomes more about sort of the story and and the characters where a film is that as well but it's more about the spectacle and experience as 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 another element to that continue boy and I'm, I'm sorry i jumped in there. no 100 percent. we uh we're both sort of on the on the same page there uh yeah i and, and on top of that i mean jesus christ that's a whole aspect of the business that's gone and and I mean, we all just become, there's no more film. I mean, there's no more really movie, like we're just TV filmmakers from, the, you know, from this point on. All the people that are making movies are really just TV movies at this point <laughs> with a bigger budget. So like what is, you know, that is kind of the the line that separates the two. And if that doesn't exist anymore, I don't know. I don't know what's, I don't know if I like that being fully replaced. Yeah. I think, okay. I mean, I have a, couple thoughts on it when i talk to my grand and this is we're talking beyond just covid like the like yes. warner's doing yeah. this you can't indef indefinitely put your keep pushing your movies yeah you know what i mean like there's at some point where you know what i mean especially for some of these filmmakers like shaka king and like um Ju jesus and uh Ju sorry judas and the black messiah like he's a first-time filmmaker he needs to get that out there like you can't be like it's very important for, for for some people's careers moving forward, mm. um, like and you can't just do it indefinitely. And so this makes sense. But beyond it, you know, when I was like, I I come from a fa fairly movie obsessed family, and you know what my grandparents used to do when they were kids was they were fucking really poor, but they always had like a quarter to go to the movie all afternoon. You know what right. I mean, or yeah. something like that, like or fifty cents, or like they give them a dollar. And they go get like lunch and like see a movie. Let's go watch and, the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And like they would see things like, you know, like on the waterfront and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And also like the popcorn movies, which are just, you know, like, you know, like Errol Flynn movies and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that the family who doesn't have a lot of money, especially with economic situation and like, just, you know, just, you know, the difference between the gap between rich and poor and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you can't, if four of you are going out to a movie and you go out and want popcorn and a drink, that's like $80. Oh yeah. $90. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's I mean, pretty generous. The experience, and that is, the experience yeah, you talked about your, your, your grandparents, like that doesn't exist anymore. Even if you, you know, are better off, like it's still, it's still not something like you're just going to go on a whim and spend you know 20 to 40 bucks even if you're just going by yourself or if you're going with a friend or, or family like it's it's so it's gotten so pricey that it, it's not just you can't just do it as a casual yeah. thing it has to be a planned sort of night sort of thing yeah so like that to me is it's like cheaper to order a pizza and like watch movies all night you know what i mean or like watch a show all night and do all this kind of stuff then like go out and do like popcorns and drinks at movies so like that's an area where i'm like okay like i think the film industry like the music industry didn't do themselves any favors when new technology came in mm -hmm. right they like they didn't realize they thought they were the only game in town and now they're realizing that's not the case because they don't own the movie theaters. Right. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, a business decision for these uh, studios 
is to own is for massive vertical integration where they own all parts of the 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 means of production and distri- and distribution right they want it to be one company and so like for them streaming offers that opportunity and they don't have to pay uh major like vent like venue fees and um, like screening fees to have them in theaters across the country i think what but at the same time it's like you know i am i gonna like what if i saw jurassic park on a fucking like streaming yeah. for the first time when i was a kid you know what i mean like yeah. what like what like you can't you're denying someone an art form and i fear that what's going to happen is it's going to go to ultra limited release it's going to be super expensive to go see a movie in a movie theater and then when this generate like as generations of filmmakers pass away it'll just like completely be gone you know what i mean and like one thing about music is like you can't take away the live performance yeah um like at at the end of the day like in terms of like a long-term situation because i mean live music has existed the entire time music has has existed um you know what i mean like it was live music so i worry about i worry about that because uh, like i think you also lose like the cultural impact of those things as well yeah you know those I mean? experiences did, are yeah. make the next generation of filmmakers that wanna you see something big on a screen you want to be like you want to make a film on that screen as well if that's yeah. gone that's not that that generational sort of evolution is gone if i saw fellowship of the ring on netflix i don't think it would have had a tenth of the impact that it yeah. had. No, how are you gonna? Me. How are you gonna? So, do, how are you gonna do that? Like yeah. Dune. Like I will watch Dune. Like okay, I mean, how my tastes work. I would watch Dune the first time I'm seeing it on a TV, but I have to see it on a big screen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I have to see what that is. Mm-hmm. I have to see what that is and enjoy the whole fucking you know situation of it. And yeah. like well, I like I I think the big thing we're going to be looking at in 2021 especially from a media standpoint like a sorry a content creation standpoint is is what is the impact of that i don't think i don't think you can truly appreciate a film until you've seen it on the big screen and much like how you can't truly appreciate a band unless you've seen them live you know what i yeah, mean 100 it's almost the same parallel like eh, it depends on the film it depends on the band there's fair a lot enough, of films but, that don't but deserve good, a big screen good, fair enough i don't fans, need to see but, skrillex live but uh like <laughs> yes, a good example a good example would be when we went to see the final cut of blade runner yeah. Run. Oh, yeah um i didn't feel like i truly saw that film for the first time until we saw it 100 no that's on, fair that's absolutely fair like 100 is because yeah because it just it had a complete different experience even, like even all the people who saw jacket, lawrence of arabia like, yes yeah. yeah and lawrence of arabia yeah. yeah like all the people who saw lawrence of arabia like my grandfather saw that in the fucking theater and he's like talking to me he's like this fucking this this fucking ignoramus hasn't even seen it on a big screen yeah. he's trying to tell me what it is <laughs> fucking cinemascope and shit he doesn't uh, know anything yeah he doesn't know fucking shit and you know what my grandfather's wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> Love him. But he's uh, definitely not wrong about that. I can go yeah. fuck myself. You know, I, I Guys, know we're going a little long, but so the last comment on uh, uh, what I think, what it's really sad. I mean, uh, film-wise, what's sad. I mean, there's sadder things in the world right now. But film-wise, what's sad about, um, you know, uh, the pandemic is we were seeing uh, uh, a good, like, upswing in, in, in just culturally in people being interested in going out and seeing 
older movies on the big screen. You know, people like, like we're, what we're talking about movies that we saw on the TV when we were kids because we they came out long before we were born, and and then now we go to uh, uh, TIFF or whatever, and we go see them on the big screen, and it's a whole different experience. And that was becoming at least here in Toronto, that was becoming a, a more and more uh, a popular thing. Whereas even the mainstream sort of uh, cineplexes and and whatnot were doing it, and I really hope. I really hope that after the pandemic that that can continue because that's that will lead to at least some survival and revival of watching movies on on uh, in the cinema. Shout out Cinesphere, man! Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to go Same. back to the Cinesphere and and rewatch some old movies again. Yeah, 100%. even that jumbled mass of a film, Tenet. Um, <laughs> no. Yes, listen to our <laughs> review of Tenet. I was like, I'm glad I saw that on the big screen. I mean, uh, to close, I will just say that. I the thing I do like about it is the potential of it reviving streaming reviving like the smaller or mid-range feature 100% um, yeah. because that has been sorely lacking because that's where usually the creativity um, lies and that's where the um, limited series feel like they feel like yes, a revival they, you know what that's a really good point Boyan yeah it feels like the things you are that you would have got from that mid you know the mid-tier 8 million to, you know 50 like 100 million like it's so funny that it's 100 million now but it would normally it be like, like 30 40 to wasn't it like 30 yeah, 40 yeah it's like eight it's like 8 million to 50 million yeah. is the is the yeah. and um you lose out on that and so i think that's a really good point so guys um we are running mad long i just want to say thank you for a fantastic year uh thank you for doing the uh year end roundup yeah. uh, anytime everyone i hope you have a good 2021 i know it started off um, in an interesting fashion. Let's uh let's be cool. Anyways, I'll talk to you soon guys. Peace out. Peace out. Ciao.